So, no book. Yep. We're reading a new book, y'all. Reading a new book. Are you ready to descend into the world of Fifth Chivalry Farsia? This book, I have changed my thoughts on him being a sad sack Terziak, and now he's just Lonely Boy from Gossip Girl. <laughs> lonely Boy. I did get that vibe when I was reading your summaries. So I was like, hmm, I see where this is going. Yes. He's he was also a sad sack, boy. though, so I think it still applies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should read the um, synopsis. Right, All right I think please Jenny read the synopsis. Read <laughs> right. She says enthusiastically. <laughs> Royal assassin. Fitz has survived his first hazardous mission as the king's assassin, but is left little more than a cripple. Battered and bitter, he... That's very apt. Um, he vows to abandon his oath to King Shrewd, remaining in the distant mountains, but love and events of terrible urgency draw him back to the court at Buckkeep and into the deadly intrigues of the royal family. Renewing their vicious attacks on the coast, the Red Ship Raiders leave burned-out villages and demented victims in their wake. The kingdom is also under assault from within, as treachery threatens the throne and the, of the ailing king. In this time of great danger, the fate of the kingdom may rest in Fitz's hands, and his role in its salvation may require the ultimate sacrifice. Dun-dun-dun-dun! <sighs> it's the final countdown! Welcome to Buckheap Radio. We're singing to you from inside the walls. This is episode five, Royal Assassin. Chapters prologue through chapter seven, and I am Rachel, a rereader. I'm Eli, a rereader. I'm Jenny, a rereader. I'm Ashley, and I'm a new reader. I'm Joey, and I'm a first time audiobook listener. All right, first up is corrections, omissions, and announcements. All I have to say is that Royal Assassin is going to be done in five parts, which is in direct. Uh, opposition to what we said in another episode where we said it would be four parts, but we didn't realize that Royal Assassin's it's, a lot longer. <laughs> it's big, y'all. It is. It's whole royal ass. <laughs> yes. I'm nervous for the next book because, you know, that side-by-side comparison parts. was intense. We'll no. just, it'll just keep, we'll just keep adding parts until we finally get to the final book and it'll be like a 15-part, you know, therapy session. Yeah, and it'll be like 17 years from now. Because yeah. we'll have to do each chapter on its own so Rachel can cry. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. It could be from Joy. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, good spin. Lots of joy. Lots of joy. So Wouldn't be joy. an episode unless Rachel spoiled something. Sorry. That was actually my fault. <laughs> We're still blaming Rachel. <laughs> I think we've chopped most of them out, right? They get chopped. Uh, one of the big ones got chopped, yeah. I I, I do try You're to You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I do We're just dumb. I do try. All right, so prologue is called Dreams and Awakenings. Uh, the prologue jumps from Fitz's writings and ruminations on the skill and the wit and the lack of scholarship around it to some down-in-the-dumps thoughts about growing up lonely without relationships built on truth, 
such as his fumbling beginnings with Molly. It ends with us back in the Mountain Kingdom during Fitz's recovery, where we learn that Fitz now suffers from seizures and considers himself useless and unmanned. He's worse than dead. He tells Birch to leave him behind, much to Birch's annoyance. I support <laughs> Birch being annoyed because Fitz just complained during this entire thing. And I, was I mean, like, shut up. That's his greatest <laughs> skill. <laughs> and I mean, Gloom. poor Birch has basically been like, oh, I'm giving you a life debt now. You've got that. You've got your dad's earring. I'm, I'm swearing myself to you. And Fitz is like, yeah, just leave without me. I'm useless. <laughs> just go. It's Over also here. super obnoxious because one, Birch is also recovering. Yeah, and two, he's yeah. not complaining. And he's not complaining. But also, Burrich has already been abandoned, like, by by chivalry when he, like, when he hurt his leg and, you know, made to raise up this kid. And now he has this opportunity to, like, pledge himself to someone again. And Fitz is like, no, I'm half a man because I sometimes <laughs> have seizures. And Burrich is just sitting there like, well, I can't even fucking run. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fitz is just starting his Sad Sex Anonymous meeting, and, you know, Birch isn't playing ball. No, he's he needs to tell Fitz to, like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. That's what he needs to well, do. I like when Fitz is like, he why can't you of... fix me? And Birch is like, you're not a dog. I can't fix you. <laughs> he kind of does tell him to shut the fuck up, like, a little bit, because when they were chatting, he tells him the fight isn't over until you win it, Fitz. It's all you have to remember. Yeah. So... Get oh, him yeah. off your ass, boy. Wait, is that what's when is that? That when he says that line, is that in the is that it's in on the last pa- book? It's on it's on page eleven. Page eleven. <laughs> One of my favorite books. You're fucking dead. Joey, do you have a, a hardback of this book? <laughs> no. Why? <laughs> He's it's an a, audio listener. Right. So what what the hell does listener. the page number do for you? <laughs> um, it tells me that it's early. <laughs> it's and probably within it. the first 15 minutes of the audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> so I will to jump in on that. Um, I did read, I had like a free Audible download. So I downloaded this book to listen to at my desk. And I, it is a little more fun to listen to with the accents. You do lose a lot, though, I feel, reading the audiobook, or listening to the audiobook. Always. Like, I went, I went back and reread, and I was like, holy shit, I missed, like, half of this just because I felt like it was jumbled by their accents. <laughs> <laughs> do you understand more about Hans. people's, uh, people's uh, place in society by their accent? No. No. Because <laughs> we only hear, we only hear like, two characters talk the entire time. Okay. I was just wondering if Birch had an accent. Nobody's he talks gruffy. And then the fool the fool <laughs> is is like really light and on the fool. Yeah. <laughs> Ethereal. It's sufficiently creepy. Yeah. It is cool that you can uh determine who people are uh before it says who they are in the audio yeah. book. Just based yeah. on their voices. It's His, a performance. Yeah. <laughs> it's a performance. <laughs> um sorry, but that was yeah, that was my audiobook tangent there. All right. I need to listen to the audiobook when actual characters are speaking because I've only listened to the beginning when it's just Fitz's narration, which is not very exciting. I've never listened to the audiobook at all because I hate them. All right, chapter one, Silt Bay. (laughs) 
The intro is a reminder that Verity's court is a bit of an unstable mess and Ketrikan is in an uphill battle to assert her position, her role, and her relationship with her husband, while at the same time, Redship-influenced politics are increasing. The chapter is mostly what we come to realize is a skill dream in which Fitz is within King Shrewd, and the fool's present and Fitz... I'm calling him Fitzshrewd, has a vision of a red ship raid on a village called Silt Bay. And it's really horrible and really long. And the quote I picked out is all, only tide of death because <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's real, just endless. Um, and then Fitzshrewd calls on the fool to remember forward, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and Fitz realizes during the vision that Molly is there in Silt Bay during the attacks. So now he wants to get up off his butt when Birch says, let's go back. And I will say like, oh, so go ahead, Eli. Oh, um, and part of that is, so Fitz is inside of this old, old man. And he, mm-hmm. he realizes that like, he is not <laughs> no. as fucked up as he could be. <laughs> He's inside of an old man. Yeah, so that's that's part of <laughs> it's part sorry, of his that's just coming around. Old me, I'm sorry. But now he, you know, he gets to know what there is to look forward to with aging. Yeah, but he's. We've already sure. gotten that from some of the like flash. I I, I kind of like I consider what's happening now the present. So then there's also flash forwards where we have a Fitz in the future who's writing things down, and right. he he also complains of his like aging body. Oh, he always complains about everything. Such a complainer. <laughs> God. I will say, this chapter I thought was, like, really, like, I don't watch violent stuff, and I don't watch gory stuff or scary stuff, and reading this, it's like, it made me nauseous the yeah. whole time I was reading it. It was too much. It's an intense chapter. It made me think of when I tried to read the book Middlesex, and I had to stop, because it was, like, so graphically violent, I just, I was like, nope, we're done here. So, the Red Ship Raiders are, you know, not just raiding and torturing the villagers, right? They're murdering them in terrible ways. They're raping them. They're killing children. And th- these are the parts where I think when, when it, you know, when you're trying to sell the book and you're like, oh, it's actually more violent and more gruesome than Game of Thrones sometimes. <laughs> these are the bits. And half of the deaths are like... The villagers killing themselves so that they won't get forged. Yeah, or yeah. killing their children and then right. killing themselves or burning yeah. themselves. And, like, it seems as if because of the the nature of the vision and because you have the fool who's, like, remembering, you know, quote-unquote forward, that some of the events happened. Some of them may have, like, didn't happen. Some of them happened multiple times. It's... Yeah, when he's rattling off the list of everything that happened to, like, all of the women in Silt Bay, it's really Yes. Oh, it was very, it was upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Also upsetting was some of the depictions of the fool in this chapter, because he was in <laughs> full creep zone, y'all. Full creep zone. He was prophesizing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> in a very creepy way. Um... Yeah, he's like does a frog stance at one point. Is licking his lips, and he's got his little his little frog his, li- his little rat friend on his scepter. You don't What's like that all about? You don't like Ratsy because <laughs> Ratsy is my favorite. Ashley, he makes Ratsy cry. I don't like him, but just as a package, it's not a good look. I made Ratsy. Ratsy's in the closet. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> you're so damaged. <laughs> Ratsy's nice. in the closet with the chicken head. He's yep. the 
The chicken head is elsewhere, but the rat's oh, in the closet. <laughs> Made with real chicken. No. And real rat. You're going to make me get mail. Okay? <laughs> Some... Mail of what? Email. About my choice in building supplies. Yeah. Um... We'll just clarify that, that, that I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> what? Everything that Joey says is lies. Everything. Okay. Just slithering. Just to... To portray his creepiness, I have a little excerpt. Okay. It says, his pale eyes goggled in his eggshell face. He swayed from the strains, smiled foolishly. He considered his rat scepter, went nose to nose with it. Did you know any such Molly Ratsy? No? I didn't think you would. Perhaps you should ask someone more in a position to know. The worms, perhaps. And then he giggles maniacally. <laughs> oh my god. This is an unstable, creepy man. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't like Molly. Maybe. He feels uh, a little so, jealousy. I don't maybe know. There's some, he's just not a Molly fan. Um, maybe is. Uh, chapter, are we ready to go on to chapter two? We yeah. We have lots of chapters to cover, so I'm trying to move us along. Keep it rolling. Well, I, I feel like the chapters also don't cover as much territory in each chapter this time. but mm, Some chapters do. Well, we got chapter lots of two. stuff to talk about later. So chapter two... Yeah. It's called Homecoming. Uh, and the intro is just uh, basically that Buckkeep is on cliffs and has never, <laughs> never fallen to enemy hands. That's That was the big takeaway, which was kind of ominous. Uh, and so we see Birch and Fitz and Hands are journeying back to Buckkeep in winter. And while they're traveling, they're listening to locals along the way. Uh, and some of what they're saying prompts Birch to take them off road to avoid all the negative uh, views that people have of the king and Verity and the government and basically the lack of what, you know, th what they feel is a lack of support or, you know, of, of what of the results of the Red Ship Raids. Um, everyone is surprised that Fitz, when, when they finally get back to Buckkeep, right, uh, everyone is really surprised that Fitz is back and also looking super horrible but he plays it really cool. He's like, what do you mean? Why do people think I wouldn't be back? What do you mean I look bad? Uh, and eventually Fitz tries to report to Shrewd or Verity, but he's rebuffed at both places. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, there, I skipped over a lot of stuff because I'm going fast, but like, you know, Burrich names Hands as his kind of natural successor, which kind of hurts uh, Fitz's feelings. He feels lost, like there, he doesn't have a place anymore at Buckheap. This is also when he goes and, like, talks to the guards, right? And yeah. Birch is like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah he had all this, this really strong demeanor and talked very forcefully with all of them. And we hadn't seen that before. Yeah. Which some makes it even more interesting since he is, like, half dead. We've seen him do this before in the first book when he's giving advice to people on how to rule, uh... What is this about? Yelling at people character? about their dogs. Yeah, yelling at people about their dogs. Like It's like suddenly he's taken over by someone else or channels his father in a weird way. I Yeah, I don't know. I He does it so sporadically, though. It's like, I don't know. Is it like, like the, his... the grumpier he is, the more like nasty he is with <laughs> others? I feel like it's a little bit of like, he's just like in he's... a really bad mood and he's like, nah, stop it. So he's like physically intimidating, but I thought he was skin and bones at this point. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's is... very weird. There, there are a few moments when he gets it into his head that uh, because of his training with Shade, that 
oh, I am the I am the person in this position who can speak with the voice of, you know, with of the voice of the Farseers, because he knows things that other people don't know, and he he tries to yeah, he, he tries to apply that, of... and it's it is interesting because he's not always like that. Um, he has a lot of knowledge that I feel like other people don't have, but I think sometimes he gets like exasperated with the thing. He just has to like mm-hmm. say it. See, for me, I feel like, and I say this with, like, knowledge that this is a book, right? Not that I personally believe in the, in this idea in real life, but that he's, that he's showing his ability to rule his birthright. Like, he ha- he is chivalry's son. He is a farseer heir. Therefore, he has this command. He has this authority. And he can't help but he's, use it. He's got it. the Lord's voice. Yes. <laughs> I like. I could see that. Like, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But I feel like I would need to see more of it in order to really buy into that. It's sort of erratic, like his skilling. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, in real life, I don't think people are born with innate abilities do, that are <laughs> for their birthright. Like, I want to be clear. But maybe Fitz has some innate ability of authority because yeah. of that. No, I'm I'm down with that. Yeah. It is a fantasy after all. <laughs> <laughs> I think a part of it is the that vanity too. Like when he's not being a depressive mope, he is like he's <laughs> he's, he's he's got swings. He swings back and forth between yeah. this like very assertive uh very capable young man and then uh this mopey piece of shit that can't get anything done. <laughs> Like he's he's well, I think, he bounces like often, very often. I think people want him to be that in some ways. Like I mean, they are kind of preparing him to be that in some ways. So sometimes it comes out. I think he expects to be that good all the time, and then when he isn't, <laughs> he just beats the shit up out of himself. Yeah, he's like, no, this is this is my zero. This is like my C level, at, you know. But he's usually like at an E. <laughs> <laughs> He's never hit A. He doesn't know what that looks like. Uh, well, but, like, I also want to talk about, like, his skilling, right? Like, he apparently has this, this you know, this ability to skill, but he's not using it. He's also having seizures. Like, there's a lot about his body that he can't control or his abilities that he can't control. But he also, when he can control it, like, if he just one tiny speck of like knowledge or authority or, or confidence changes him completely. Mm-hmm. When it comes together, it works. It's just, there's a lot of times it doesn't. It's like he has an extreme social anxiety <laughs> and sometimes he's able to shake it off. And, but most of the time he's, he's just in his own head. Keep trying Fitz. Uh, he's, so he's not able to talk to Schroeder Verity. Um, we don't see the fool. I'm trying to think, who else does he see? No one, really. No, he, yeah. He he just he kind just of... Goes he, to... he sees uh, all the the ways the castle's changed since Ketrickens. Oh, right, because, yeah, the castle's clean, basically. <laughs> and there's light. There's lights and it's clean. It's <laughs> not cobwebby. He said this, too, was what it meant for there to be a queen in Buckkeep. Which, yeah. yeah. And then he goes to bed. And then he, and then he drags his ass to his shitty room and falls asleep. 
So, well, and there was also, just to point out, there was a nice little kind of tender moment between him and Burrich in the, uh, towards the end of this chapter where um, he thanks Burrich for everything that he did for him and, like, says even though Chivalry was technically his father, he never met him and he considered him a father over a lot of years. I thought that was kind of nice since we've seen them in kind of a state with their relationship. I do like that he's like, I didn't always appreciate, and then Birch cuts him off and is like, save speeches like that for when one of, when not, when one of us is dying. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you were dying, so maybe this is a yeah. Some toxic masculinity there, Birch. You should let him express <laughs> his feelings. All your, all the, both of their problems are very drawn up in that uh so chapter three is called renewing ties the intro lets us know that no one knows anything about the elderlings at all and that the one <laughs> scroll they've got about them is super fucked up so that's super helpful <laughs> i loved reading that section i'm like cool 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 so we need to take better care of our things we need to take care of our things so fitz awakes awakens thinking of molly uh but finds himself skill drawn to verity's tower uh, they spend most of the day together discussing a lot of things. Uh, basically, Fitz does his very long report about his, the whole last book. And he also <laughs> confronts uh, confronts him about Regal. And during the discussion, Fitz kind of wavers again between uncertainty and that strange authority that we talked about. Um, but when he does confront him about Regal, they kind of get into it. And Verity... I think Verity comes off pretty weak in this conversation about how he's dealing with Regal and what that means. And basically there's not going to be any satisfaction. Like Fitz has to just put up with the fact that nothing bad is going to happen to Regal. <laughs> um, uh, so then they, they kind of mentioned, so Fitz mentioned Silt Bay. And so Verity gives him permission to go look for news of quote unquote, his friend. Uh, but by then it's the end of the day. So Fitz, goes heads back to his shitty room but on his way he's accosted by Lacey and forced to visit patients so she is all over the place with her topics and during the conversation Fitz almost has another seizure so he begs to leave and on his way up to his room a serving woman begins to help him up the stairs and he realizes that it's Molly so he kisses her uh which this is their tech is this technically their first kiss yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he kisses her because he's just so happy that she's alive and not dead in Silt Bay. But she immediately thinks he's drunk. They have this huge argument. It's horrible to read because they're both just being very selfish, very stupid dunderheads about it. Uh, we find out during the quarrel that the guy with the earring was actually her cousin. Uh, Molly feels really abandoned and betrayed uh, because she's also finding out in this quarrel that Fitz is not new boy, the random kid. He's actually the royal bastard. Uh, and Fitz just isn't handling any of it at all. And it's a mess and she leaves. I felt bad for Fitz because he's just like so half dead and like nobody is taking any notice of the fact that he's just like not well at all. And they're just yelling at him constantly. Yeah. And they tell him I'm that like, he's he looks about like to shit. drop dead. Like. Yeah. They openly tell him that he looks like shit, but then they treat him like he's there's fine. fine. Yeah, I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And then I also feel frustrated by Molly in this whole chapter because like, oh my God, I Molly. get it a little bit, but at the same time, like, I mean, Fitz is dumb and you gotta, like, at least realize that a little bit. I have <laughs> like, a lot. Like, if Molly I mean, came to me with the story... Kid. I know. I, if Molly came to me with the story, I'd be like, one, he was a, he was younger than you, and at yeah. that age, it's a significant gap. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Two, 
you there was zero understanding you made a lot of assumptions you, yeah like and, so and and then he's he's literally willing to explain himself and she just kept cutting him off yeah she wouldn't let him cause she's just like oh you're drunk and i'm like well no he's saying he's not and that he was lying to you about that but she's like oh you're lying about everything and I'm i mean like, doesn't she see that <sighs> he looks bad like i don't i don't know molly like she's still I understand pretty young that... right now right she's still like 16 17 no, no, but she's, back she's then, two years 16. older than fitz yeah so she's, I think she's 17. like 17 but she's back like, then that's but, like yeah. being 35 that's old <laughs> but like the whole the whole thing with their whole you know quote unquote courting like I mean they barely saw each other half the time. They were anyway. courting. Like, they why were courting. Why did she courting? think that they that never he even was courting her? They, like, like they never discussed it openly yeah. at all. It is. A, it's a weird transition <laughs> from the like the friendship to suddenly the courting. It is very. It's bizarre. That's a lot. That's like a mercenary thing on Molly's part because you think about it. It's like, okay, Molly's like 14, 15, 16 years old. She works for her father. Her father's a drunk. She like does all this work. Her father's declining. She realized then and then dying. And then she's realizing like, oh, I have to like move on to the next section of my life. Who do I know? And she's like, oh, that guy. Well, I'll just yeah, marry him. He was nice to me. Okay, sure. And it's like, he wait a nice second. <laughs> like, you I mean, don't know do shit about him. She was being really think... opportunistic and is treating him like shit because he didn't realize it. Yeah, he didn't like... line up with her plans immediately. Like, I do yeah. think it's interesting to read because you're reading from Fitz's perspective and he's so caught off guard by it, and like the reader is too. Because you're like, wait a minute, that wasn't really your relationship. Like, you know, you had a moment once on the rocks, but that was about it. A moment where they did not even hold hands. His hand merely touched her hand. Yeah. <laughs> And that's like proposal territory. For Fitz, it wasn't. It it seems like it wasn't even real until he thought she was going to be. She was maybe dead, and then her and then Molly and Patience made it real by like saying that he was courting her. Right. You know what I mean? It's like it's like it was the thought wasn't even in his head until they. Well, I also think that Molly misrepresented a lot of things to Patience and Lacey. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like. Because she went, she, like, her cousin got her this job. It didn't work out. She was with her the, that family. They got, like, raided. She survived. It's awful. She can't stay there because everyone's traumatized and they certainly can't support her. And she's casting around for a new purpose and, and a new, a new like, place of safety. And she can't take care of herself. And the only other person she knows is Fitz. And so when she goes to the castle, she's like, oh, well, I'll just tell every you know and when it came out that he who he was who he didn't tell her she had to like come up with a really good fucking reason why she shouldn't be just like thrown away yeah and so she represented herself as like essentially his betrothed or something and it's like oh, slow your fucking roll <laughs> like <laughs> what a hoe <laughs> I mean, I, I feel for her because otherwise she's homeless and like destitute right. and like no, there's nowhere to go but there, I think there are smarter ways to get a job in the castle than to like paint a huge target on your back by being like, oh, actually, the king's bastard, or like the, you know, the old prince's bastard is. <laughs> I also think there's there's something to telling patients that, but then at least when you're talking to Fitz, you could have some understanding. Right. That, like, yeah. Okay, I made up this story that wasn't necessarily true, but you, you know, know, good liars, some, good liars have to facts, believe their lies, though. But... So she just bought into it. She I did. So. And I mean, also, Patience is, like, a difficult person to have yeah. to interact. I mean, who knows how that conversation went? Like, right. 
And, and and it's lucky that she talked to patients and not Regal or like anyone else that was around or like Ketrickin who like may or may not have handled it correctly. Like maybe that's why patients kind of swept in and like yeah. took over. But still, Molly's not coming out in the best of light. And I know we got it from Fitz's point of view and he is sick and like falling down the stairs. I can't imagine like he's falling down the <laughs> stairs and you're just. I don't know. That's because, well, I mean, he shouldn't have told her he was, he was drunk, but... Oh, well, but people who are drunk smell like booze. She should know that. He spilled no, his wine he... on him. Yeah, he spilled the wine oh, on himself. Okay. Forgot because he part. had a seizure. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I get that she's sort of, like, you know, traumatized by that because of her father, so I, I get why she would have a strong reaction to that lie, but, like, he's trying to explain <laughs> He's, yeah, she's, she's yeah. not. Yeah. She just never saying. even gave him a chance to express himself at all. So what what I think is the telling thing in this situation, at least from Fitz's point of view, is so the last time he saw her was when he saw her with Jade, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened? He immediately got drunk and fell asleep in some bushes or something. But yep. then, yeah. then he moved on. Like he didn't really care about her. At, well, I uh, think up he until, just like, felt it, like. He had no chance against someone that much older. With right, all but he wasn't a like miserable piece of shit about it. But now he got his own ear. Ever, so now he, he moved on, and then he thought, he then he saw her maybe die. And he <laughs> cared about her again, right? But it wasn't. Right. It wasn't like. I'm sorry. We're laughing at the visual of the fact that Fitz also now has an earring. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was all like, Jade's got an earring, oh god. <laughs> fucking earring. Now he's got an earring. I've got to get a goddamn earring. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Get to your well uh, yeah, That was actually like real commentary, Eli. I'm really sorry. <laughs> he didn't want that earring. <laughs> that earring was forced upon him. He did not ask for it. But it's just funny if you think about it from Molly's point of view. The last time she saw him, <laughs> he didn't have an earring. <laughs> So that means that he's trying to woo her. (laughs) More evidence of his courting. Yeah, more evidence. (laughs) So, Eli, what were you saying about, like, those real things? No, I was done. I'm done. I'm sorry. Sorry. Who's doing the next chapter? Because I did not do that. I wrote this. Okay. All right. Um... Chapter four is called Dilemmas. Um, the intro talks about how Fitz suspects that every human must have at least some latent capacity for the skill or the, and the wit. Um, so Fitz wakes up in this chapter uh, to breakfast in bed or like sort of near his bed and a bath and a shirt that might fit and some tea with elf bark in it. And the fool drops by in his winter motley and thanks him for bathing. Um, and Fitz tells him that he dreamed of him while he was away and that he missed him. Uh, and the fool tells him that he should go see Shrewd and tells him uh, to do better at not letting people kill him. Um, there's also a really wonderfully creepy description of the fool in this chapter. Um, the the black and white motley and his colorless skin seemed even paler because of it. His garments were made of some silky fabric cut so loosely that he looked like a stick swathed in it. He'd gotten taller and even thinner if that were possible. As always, his white eyes were a shock, even in his bloodless face. He smiled at me and then waggled his pale tongue to his free. Um, <laughs> just like our creepy descriptions of him. Um, so after the fool leaves, Lacey and Patience come in and like descend upon him and tidy up his room and berate him for, you know, his behavior with Molly 
And so everything that we just talked about, um, they're just really not happy with him. And Patience points out that uh, Molly is a woman of prospects and Fitz basically has no skills and nothing to offer her. Um, and so she tells him that he has to do nothing while Molly remains as one of her serving women and she tries to integrate her into the court as one of her ladies and not the bastard's woman. Um, and then maybe he can start courting her later. And he wants to send a message to her, but Patience uh, firmly refuses. Um, later, Chade calls on him and he also yells at him for Molly because that's just what everybody's going to do in this chapter. <laughs> um, and he asks him to look after Catrickin since Verity is too busy. And then he tells him that an assassin should need should have a good latch on his door because people leaving him mysterious tea could be poisoned and that's not good. Especially considering the entire last book. Um, so Fitz is really annoyed with everybody and feeling mopey and bleak as usual and he has done to fuck Keek Town and his mood goes from bad to worse That's and he gets all ragey. <laughs> Which line? Oh, the, the chandlery where he's like, well, we, what do we need? Another tea shop? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that line. It's like the, well, like, oh, another Starbucks. Yeah. I love that line. It's great. Um, and so he, we find out that uh, the thoughts of a wolf cub are bleeding over into his and he comes across uh, an animal vendor stall and he sort of like, he says he sees himself because he's just been like mind melding with the wolf. Um, and he's angry. And he's very angry. It's angry, angry Fitz. Yeah. Uh, and so Fitz does some impressive haggling and frees some birds and ends up with a new friend and he brings cub to a disused shed or a cottage to hide him and keep him safe. They argue a lot. It's great. Uh, Fitz is all, I am the wolf and you are the cub. And Fitz tells himself that he won't bond with him and he'll just keep him a week or two until he's healed and set him free, which is a total lie. <laughs> yes. Yay. I loved, I loved the dialogue of the cub in his cage. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I couldn't, yes, I couldn't so quite take him seriously. It's just so funny. He's like, <laughs> come closer. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Come closer. Come closer. <laughs> It's really. It's Let really me out! I'll eat your face. <laughs> I'm trying to find the quote. He's just like he's so angry. He's I'll kill them! I'll kill them all and rip out their throats, tear out their bellies. <laughs> Be silent if you want your freedom. I'll rip out your throat after I hamstring you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll feast on your entrails. I hate you. And but also carry like, me. Blood. I want your blood. <laughs> But like, that's the first thing that Fitz says to the vendor. He's like, blood, I want your blood. I want your blood. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think this is a really good example of, uh, it happens all throughout all of the books that I've read, at least. Uh, you get these little glimpses of wit where they sort of, uh, it very subtly gets injected into the into the story. And suddenly you realize that, oh, this is not Fitz. This is, you know, whatever he's whatever he's wedding with yeah. is bleeding over into him. And it's, I, I just thought it was really, it's, it's interesting to read because you don't, you don't usually pick it up right away. It's usually a few sentences in. and he's just, he's yeah. getting really well in this instance. Yeah. He, he's just suddenly getting angrier and angrier. And then well, there's also that, the description of someone moving away from him in the street. Yeah. He looks so angry. <laughs> yeah. And that's like before you even realize that he's <laughs> wedding with anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about about Cub is like you know, this is like the most intense like wit experience he's really had. I mean he starts like sharing minds with this animal from like, you know, 
however far away. Yeah, like, as soon as he got within range, really. Yeah, it's just, like, Cub is just, like, radiating all of this anger out, and it's very... And Fitz is just like, yes, I hear you. But it's also refreshing also. at that moment because, like, Fitz is, like, moping really hard. And you're like, God, right. like, have any other emotion. And suddenly it's, like, anger, rage. righteous anger. Yeah, rage. <laughs> you're like, yeah, okay, I can get behind this. Let's do, let's fuck some shit up. Let's do it. <laughs> I just love him being like, I'm just going to drag this cage around. It's fine. I can do it. It's like, no, you can't. Just... And I just, I don't know. I love his relationship with Cub because it's just... I, I like it because it's the first time we get an animal that's really talking to him. Yeah. Like, the other animals that he was bonded with didn't, you know, talk. They were just sort of there, and he would feel, I mean, like, Smithy started to. Yeah, a little bit. But it was still kind of like, I just feel warm and cozy, or I feel fear. You know, it was, like, feelings more than, like, actual dialogue. Yeah. yeah. This is like, just hmm. like, I will have a full conversation. A true, yeah. true intelligent creature. Love Cub. And I think we needed that in the story, too, at this point, because it's like, all right, we've we've reestablished all of the relationships that he has, like all the people he mm-hmm. trusts, all the people he doesn't. And like Buckkeep is starting to feel really defined. And then suddenly we get this new character in Cub uh, that really starts to like it just throws like everything kind of out of whack because it's like, oh, wait, now he's got to hide this Cub. Like I became really preoccupied in these sections about like him caring for Cub. Like bringing him meat. Yeah, it's like what you have to do with your pets. You're like, I can't go out. I gotta feed them. I gotta go home and feed my <laughs> my animal. <laughs> Just exactly and why I'll never have a dog. <laughs> he doesn't have the fool to take care of him like he did Smithy either. He's yeah. he's already lying to like everyone but Shade, and now now I guess he's lying to Shade now as well. But before we move yeah. on, I do want to go back to the fool section because I'm me. I have something I want to say about that section, too. Okay. What I really, to I it? just enjoyed the fact that, one, Fitz basically assumed everything in the room had been given to him by the fool, which is one of the reasons he inherently trusted it all. Mm-hmm. And two, like, he's, like, halfway through changing and the fool just walked in without knocking. <laughs> like... Real cash, and he didn't even be like, "Hey, yo, you could knock," or "Oh, thanks for bringing." He was just like, "Hey, I missed you," and I'm like, "They're super weirdly casually like friends, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. a way that he isn't with anyone else, and without having a ton of interaction. Like, we don't. It's not like they're hanging out together every day, or at least from what we can see, right? Um, the thing that I noticed is when they were talking to each other. Fitz looks at the fool and says, you've grown. <laughs> like, how old is the fool that he's growing? Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Noted. <laughs> Chapter five. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I was reminded by the, the wit chapters that I, I forgot to say this earlier, but it's also very similar to uh, when Verity was s- sort of skill compelled uh, fits to come see him. It's sort of like yeah. a very similar, very similar vibe to that. Whenever uh, Verity was skill compelling him, which I also think is interesting because you can. Uh, I I think that's the first time we've sort of seen that before firsthand. The the use the of compulsion. the skill in that way. Well, because he just shows up at Verity's map room and he's just like, oh. Why am I here? Oh, I was skilled here. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> we, they, 
was, uh, I guess Galen was skill compelled for his, that, that was a much stronger thing where he was skill compelled to love chivalry. But this right. is like a, this was a very subtle use of it. It's, it's just, it's more of a subtle suggestion, like, come to my map room. Come to my map room. But it is interesting how it's written, because you're just sort of, like, going along with Fitz, and he's like, I am going to go to the map room to see Verity. And then, like, by the time he gets there, right. it's just like, oh. All right, who's the next? What's the next chapter? Chapter five, Gambit. Um, the intro is, like, an old-timey Emily Post etiquette guide for <laughs> for warriors and men. <laughs> I really, I like the way it was written, but... um. Uh, it says a warrior's word is his bond. Don't lie to your comrades nor lead them to dishonor. And most important, do not shed blood on the floor of a man who lets you dine at his table. Um, so in this chapter, Fitz is full lonely boy. He's just so sad and so lonely and he's moping through life. And he's trying to kind of place himself in places where he knows he's going to get to see Molly, uh, but like, keep it real cash. Like he, you know, he's not looking for her. He's just happens to be in the same place. Um, he finally confesses to Birch his woes and tells, um, tells him all about Molly and everything. Birch tells him straight up quote, be a man <laughs> unquote. <laughs> and so Fitz decides he wakes up the next morning and he decides he's going to find some routine and structure again. And that kind of helps him with his overall health and appearance, which was needing some, some help. Um, <laughs> meantime, Fitz is spending Remember to his... bathe. Yeah. Like bathe, <laughs> wash your hair, do something about yourself. <laughs> meantime, Fitz is spending his days with, um, Ketrican at the request of shade. He's kind of asked him to, spend time with her because she's lonely girl. They're both just the saddest little saps there ever were. Um, and he becomes her advisor of sorts and he gives her pro tips on how to reward her loyal ladies that are spending time with her to smite some of her haters because some of her people are showing up to hang out with her and some aren't. Um, he's also in between all this sneaking off to check on the cub and he's hidden and he's taking him food and all that jazz. Um, Fitz gets summoned for the first time since his return, uh, to King Shrewd. And we see that the King's health has definitely declined quite a bit. And Fitz learns about a warrior, a female warrior in a, a town close by who's kind of turned herself into a prophetess. And it's causing some grief for the Duke of Brandy or Duke of Burns, Burns rather. Um, Fitz accepts the mission. Basically the King wants this girl taken out in whatever way Fitz sees fit. And he follows through on that at the end of the chapter. He drives her out by giving her hideous, painful sores all over her mouth, which I think sounds like a really fucking horrible way to get pushed out of town. Yeah, but she was a bitch. <laughs> she was. She sucked. I, like, who was she? She was gonna do it nice, but... She was strong and smart and pretty, and then she decides that she's gonna take over everything. It's like, no, we're done here. Um, I enjoyed that whole scene at dinner, though, because... He's like, oh, no, I hate you. I can do this. Yeah, yeah. he's like, I'm going to be nice to you and feel bad. And, like, let's try to find a way to work this out. And then she's like, no, I'm going to be horrible. And he's like, oh, well, that, oh, that's like, fine. Because yeah, when he first gets it. there, he's like, oh, I, I see what people see in her. She seems great. And then, like, the whole dinner conversation, which is just so much, like, information getting thrown out there. In like, my country, <laughs> they drown the bastards at birth. Yeah. Like, Did you hear okay. that, bastard? Know, Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> 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 like is she dumb like uh, no but really is she dumb <laughs> like 
You have a member of the royal house just come in to definitely take a look at you for no reason and you insult him. Yeah, a lot. Did um, you really think that he would like call you out in like one-on-one -on -one combat? It's like, I mean, he I mean, she thinks she's winning, but he's like, "Oh, but you didn't make it." Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? What are you doing? What happened? Are you ugly now? And one last thing that we see in this chapter was when uh, Fitz was talking to the king. The king basically makes him promise not to kill or retaliate against Regal, saying that, again, another really weak response similar to Verity's of, like, we handled this, we're taking care of it our way, you have to be loyal to me, you're a king's man, just remember that, and you can't kill Regal. Yep. Lame. I also think it's really interesting that Shade has suggested, and I mean, I guess this is coming from the king, that that Fitz needs to become Ketrickin's advisor. Because it's not, I mean, like, Fitz has shown very few really good attempts at helping people in leadership roles, but most of the time he's a disaster. <laughs> It's just like I guess this is this is Fitz's chance to also show that he's growing. Yeah, that he can give non. I mean, I don't know. It's weird because it's, he's he's male and he's hanging out with the queen's court and her and her ladies in waiting. So he's really he's not he's not invisible. Like they would notice him. Right. Right. And also, but he could be a potential secret. Right, and he could be a potential rival for. Ketrickin's affections and loyalty. I don't know. It's it's complicated. We also saw in his interactions with my girl Ketty that like he has another one of his great moments. Like right. he goes he goes from like bumbling idiocy to being like, no, this is what you need to do. Get off your fucking pity pot. Show these ladies some respect. They come here and show up for you every day, and this is what you should do. And she's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Right. I mean, he and he does it in a way that allows her to, like, keep her dignity. Like. Yeah. And I mean, she's only she's scolded. only what, like a year older than him, I guess. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. Pretty, they're practically the same age. Yeah. And she's pretty out of her element, too. So I, I could see him feeling like get, having the confidence to do that, knowing that he. He understands the situation maybe better than her, but it it is still was uh, a little out of. uh it was a little odd for him to step up like that. So yeah. I feel like Fitz is good at, at advising other people, but he's really terrible about taking his own advice. I mean, I'm kind of that way, too. <laughs> well, I think we all are, but, you know, I think... I think I dull like, it he's, out, but... He's... Like, he does well, at, you know, talking to Ketrin. He does well, like, you know, speaking with Verity. It just when he has to do things for himself... Like about his own life, you know, like he's good. We when he went to Barons and like was dealing with uh, Virago, but like anything that has to do with just him and for himself, like all the Molly situation, and like he's just useless. Yeah. Um. Anything else for this chapter? Any? Any? Um. I didn't have. I don't think I have any other notes. Yeah, I'm good. Um. I mean, I. I think, oh, uh, one of the things we didn't mention is that one of the reasons that Patience 
explains to uh, Fitz that he needs to, like, stay away from Molly is the fact that he needs to actually ask permission from the king. Mm-hmm. Right, that was in the yeah. Oh, that was in the other one? Yeah. It's like, yes, that, can talk about. It, that gets said and then glossed over real fast that... Because it's like, now Patience is like, oh, but maybe you can talk to her later. And it's like, why did you talk to the king? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she goes through, like, all the rules that he should be following and all the... She, like, basically, like, just asks him all these questions of stuff that, you know, he didn't ever think about, which, you know, why would he at this age? Or at the age he was when he was supposedly courting her. Right. You know? I mean, Shade also, like, kind of berates him for thinking he could have two lives. That, I think, is just Shade being real bitter. Because he lives in the wall. Well, I mean, and they have this whole com- that whole conversation about how you know Shade sort of chose that life after he like fucked up his face, right? And that's why you know Regal didn't know him because you know the other two, Verity and Chivalry, both knew him as you know sort of like yet another person who reacted uncle. super badly and dramatically to an injury, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my only guess is that every single named person in this in this story is they've got to be gorgeous. They're all gorgeous people. Like what? Except for Shade. Well, Shade, Shade used to be though, right? Like why his reaction doesn't make sense otherwise, unless he was just, I mean, that was his life was how gorgeous he was. His beautiful face. (laughs) Now he lives in the wall, like the Phantom of the (laughs) Opera. Maybe if he should just wear a mask and then he'd go out. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful mask. That wouldn't be scary. Well, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the fool could make one, one for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably really pretty one. Made of porcelain. Be very like pretty a baby porcelain, doll. Yeah. No, like yeah. a baby face that he could just wear. Okay, that's not... That's not <laughs> Sorry. Who did Forged Ones? Me again. Okay. Uh, so chapter six, Forged Ones. The intro shed some light on kind of chivalry and Verity's dynamic as they handled the duties um, for chivalry when he was king in waiting and we gather that they were very close brothers um and then they had this side piece regal that was always just doing fussy things with his mother um (laughs) they had kind of a divide and conquer situation between the two of them with shivy excelling at the people relations and verity excelling at kind of the details and agreements and maps and borders and we do learn that the king kept chivalry away for most of the time and we learned that it's potentially was to protect him from his evil stepmother who was grooming Regal. Um, So in this chapter, much to Fitz's dismay, he comes back from his mission to take out the prophet and he gets back to Buckkeep and he immediately sees Ketrigan on a horse and she's just looking lovely and she's wearing purple pantaloons and her hair is just flowing in the wind. And what does he see? But she's riding alongside Regal and they seem to be pretty chummy. They're kind of like laughing and getting along and smiling and everything. So he's definitely having, like, a rut-row moment. He's like, oh, fuck, what are they doing together? Um, And he's kind of wondering what Regal's angle is for hanging out with her. He also learns from Verdi that Forged Ones have been moving in packs, and they're getting very close to Buckkeep territory. And um, it seems unlikely that Forged Ones would behave as a pack, based on what we've seen previously. They're all kind of selfish and greedy and... Um, fending for themselves, but there are seven incidents of kind of a group behavior that's been reported. So Fitz is sent out on a mission to just kind of get more intel from surrounding towns to check out for the forged ones and to poison and take them out as he passes them. 
Um, but he has very specific instructions from Verity to keep it very quiet and to not let anybody know about it because he does not want to cause a stir. I feel like Fitz's whole wit thing with the forged ones just... He just refuses to listen to anybody other, anybody else's theories on it. Well, not everybody else has, like, seen them one-on-one. Like, who else in the castle has seen them one-on-one besides Molly? True. Yeah. I just feel like he's very closed off to any other theories. He's just like, no, this wouldn't happen. Well, because he also believes in his wit magic. Like, he yeah. knows that they don't have, like, a group pack intelligence. Like, right. And, but he can't tell people why he knows that so he just has to be this like stubborn guy that's like they just are (laughs) they just are like that i'm telling you and at this point shade has investigated one of them for like six months oh that's true yeah Yeah. so shade has seen one too yeah but not in a group it's just one and it was a little girl it wasn't like the cat killer whatever (laughs) 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 joey do you have any thoughts you've been quiet Hmm? He fell asleep. <laughs> no, I'm listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> killing we, killing we... cats is bad. Do you have any thoughts about Fitz acting like a one-man forged one cleanup crew yet again? Well, seems to do be what he's good at. <laughs> he gets real Sunny? mopey about it. Sunny did not sign up for this shit, okay? I know. I do feel bad. I'm like... What kind of a bleak existence is that? Like, go right out into the middle of nowhere by yourself on your horse, find these fucking zombie monsters, poison them, then loop back around and burn their bodies in a big pile because we can't let people see them. Like, (laughs) that's fucked. Yeah. Quiet work. It makes Buckkeep or the six duchies in general just seem like a lovely place to live. I yeah. totally mm-hmm. want to go there. It's like if it's like if the white walkers were below the wall and they were just wandering around Westeros, you know? And it was Jon Snow's task. But they're not even they're not white walkers. I mean, they're still like people. They're just dirty and they're just dirty smelly yeah. people. At least white walkers probably don't smell that bad cuz they're all No, cuz they're frozen. Yeah, they're they frozen. can't smell. Yeah. Well, All right. I have no other <laughs> thoughts other than yeah, that sucks, and I feel bad for Sooty. Uh, Kat Rickon's outfit was cool. Oh right, you you did a very wonderful illustration. Yeah, so I, guess I was inspired to draw her because yes. she's got cool pants. If you want to check out that white... illustration, you can go to uh, your Instagram, or I put it on the Buckkeep Radio. Wait, where Instagram is this? Too. It's on the internet, Joey. The I'm pretty inter- sure you saw it. The internet. Now, it. where is that? <laughs> <laughs> And open up Internet you can find Explorer. It on Facebook, <laughs> Instagram dot com slash buttkeep radio. But it sounded like you said buttkeep. <laughs> buttkeep radio. We're changing the name. It's We're changing keep. the name. Buttkeep well, radio. Reading the book oh. Royal Ass. Royal Ass. <laughs> That's cool, Jenny. Thank you. I also <laughs> drew the fool and fits and cup. Fits and cup. Um. Wrestling I drew, also drew angry shit, fits I as a we cartoon. This account. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, if you go to my Instagram at Faceless Spray, you can see the other drawings. Yeah, I haven't re- I haven't done all of them yet because they were spoilery. I will do them later. <laughs> well, the fool wasn't spoilery. Let's go to Jenny's well, Instagram. Well, that was during Dragon Con. I can't be. I can't be expected to check the internet. That's fair. Dragon Con. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I actually do want to talk about the fashion in in this these books because one of my biggest complaints about uh, books like Game of Thrones is that fashion seems to be a huge afterthought. Like people wear costumes to denote like their jobs, but they don't have like fashion. And in these books, we've already seen so many different examples of what people wear based on where they live, where they're from, their you know their cultures. Uh, and their jobs, but I really like the fact that Katrikan, well, she's trying to adopt the cultures of this new place that she lives in, but that outfit is very not six duchies. Like, uh, that's a white you know, fur that, coat and purple pants? Hell no. No, that is a that's mountain cool kingdom. knit cap. Yeah. yeah. I didn't draw the knit That's cap, her cool but... girl from the uh, from another place outfit. She's even wear she's riding in a style that's not local. She's riding in the mountain style with like one of the high cantled saddles where she's probably up kind of like a Mongolian saddle is how I picture it um it's like she's different but the thing i like about the fashion in general in this book is that you know from time to time like you see like trends being set and people following them yeah which is not something you get in game of thrones you know everybody dresses the same for like thousands of years and it makes no sense right or like in wheel of time where people dress in different ways in different countries but it never changes in any of those places like it's that right whereas like the the fashion in in this in these books is very it's it's a it's a thing that you know changes and and moves with the times and with people and you know what they see and i think that that's cool right and she's the queen so she's now setting potentially setting some sort of fashion trend with this look mm-hmm. i like that uh fits in i think he was implying that they don't have purple dye <laughs> yeah. in in the six duchies <laughs> no, it's just rags. I mean, well, okay, but this is Fitz, right? The guy who's literally wearing rags around the castle. <laughs> it's because nothing fits him. There okay. could <laughs> be purple. He just yeah. never saw it because... There's just there's only blue and then Molly wore red yeah. ones. <laughs> Woman with the red skirts. Oh, uh, we're going to get to that in the next chapter. <laughs> red skirts. Who the fuck is this lady? <laughs> Um, should we move on to chapter seven? Anyway, yeah, Mistress Hayes going to get a lot of orders for some purple pants. Pantaloons. <laughs> chapter seven. Um, chapter seven is called Encounters. Uh, the intro talks about how when the royal spouse comes, normally they bring an entourage with them, but you know, Ketrickin came as sacrifice, so she came as so she came alone. Um, so in the chapter, uh, he goes to visit Cub, who can't ration his food. Yeah, so he's quite hungry. <laughs> um, <they> have, <laughs> he gorged himself, and then you know he he rested and he gorged again, and then it was gone. So he's been hungry for two days. Um, so, so he argues with Fitz. They have a whole like argument uh, repeatedly in this chapter about how you know Cub wants them to be pack, and he's all we are pack, and Fitz is like, no, we are not pack. I will not bond with you. It's I will adorable. Not I know. It's, it's great. I love it. Um, and so after. You know, Fitz wins the argument for the moment, or at least he thinks he does. Uh, he heads back into the keep to stalk Molly some more. Um, he puts himself in on the staircase where he knows she'll be, and he says hi, and she glances in his direction. And I love this moment because Cub is just like, ooh, a female, I approve. <laughs> <laughs> Fitz is like, what the hell are you doing in my head? And then they argue about being pack again, and it's, it's fun. I love it. Um... Then Fitz goes to report to Shrewd, where he encounters Wallace, and the fool calls him. <laughs> and I think that the fool would like our podcast jokes. <laughs> um, 
Wallace doesn't want to let them in and is super cagey about everything. And the place is also full of, like, smoke, as, you know, is similar to another character. Um, And the fool shows up and insults him with a lot of wordplay and implies that he is Regal's spy. And then eventually Shrewd comes out and, you know, he's not looking too great, but he, you know, he sends Wallace away and he has Fitz report to him. And it's interesting because he has to report with the fool there. Um, so he tells him everything that happened in Barons, and then he dismisses him and the fool warns Fitz that he needs to watch out for Wallace or specifically Wallace's ears. Wall ears, not wall ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so then Fitz sets off to kill more forged ones and he's out later than planned and there's a storm and he runs into Ketrickin who is fighting off a band of forged ones on her own. She's quite capable, but Fitz manages to help a little bit. Um, and the buckkeep guard is very impressed with her and they praise her a lot. Uh, we find out that she had been riding with Regal again and so everybody else went back because of the storm, but he led her off into the storm to chase a fox and then he left her. To chase a fox. Real quote nice. unquote. Yeah. Right. Um, Verity is not happy about any of this. And so Fitz is, you know, eventually goes back to his room and gets lost in dreamland because that's the only place where he has peace. But he's woken up by... Verity's page and is summoned to the map room and Verity is like, who the hell is Lady Redskirts? Um, and Fitz is like, uh-oh, and he's been dreaming too loud again. So Verity takes some time to teach him how to guard his thoughts so that he doesn't have to dream about Molly anymore. And he also worries about everyone knowing about the Forged Ones and also Ketrickin's involvement with that whole thing. How it's going to I mean, I think Verity is just mad because it was forged ones and they were close to the keep and well it's not going it. to be hush hush now because right. everybody's right. going to boast about the queen slaying all right. these forged ones yeah they're screwed but yeah i mean he's trying to make it like oh no i'm mad that you know that this was like a reckless behavior thing and then people are thinking that he is making judgments about Ketrickin. yeah not not the situation i you know the fact that Regal still doesn't get in fucking... I mean, what the fuck? I know. I don't understand. Know. His stupid mother is dead. Why? I mean, why is there so much protection for him? I know, Just marry him off so to someone else. Yeah, at this point. ship him like off. Get rid stop. of him. Yeah, but they're just letting him fuck around and ruin everything. I don't I don't understand. Verity did mention that uh, Regal is Rude's favorite. So, I yes. mean, he's, he's probably heavily... How can you... Protected. Yeah, I just... I, how can you stay somebody's favorite when they keep doing this shit? I don't know. Well, because he's good at sucking sucking up to people. Like, <laughs> like, he's, 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 you know, he's sidling up to Ketrickin. He was, you know, he was sidling up to, yeah. um, to Ketrickin's brother at the time. Yeah, yeah he's a And he's, I don't get, well, you know, we talked about this last book i was like you know does ketrickin understand that fitz didn't kill her brother and that it was regal and the consensus was like yes she knows that regal did it so it's like why in god's name would well, she no she knows that verity did not order fitz to do it okay right yeah, i don't know that she knows the whole... i don't think she knows oh i thought story. when i brought I this up to you guys before you all oh when we talked about this before i could have swore you guys all said that she knew that regal did it I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. If people want to email me, I will. <laughs> Either way, Please like... tell us we're wrong. <laughs> I just, I don't know. You, I feel like, how charming can this guy be that she isn't somewhat hesitant to know that he was around when all that other stuff happened? I don't know. I'm like... 
Well, I think she's also just really lonely. True, yeah, yeah she is. called her lonely girl. Yeah. Like, she, like, Verity's not paying any attention to her. You know, she's kind of, like, doesn't understand what servants are. You know, she doesn't know what to do with, you know, her ladies. She's trying to, you know, do what Fitz tells her to do. And you know, probably have, you know, and Fitz is off, you know, killing forged ones and taking care of prophets, prophetesses who are jerks and, you know, feeding his wolf. And <laughs> Regal's there and he's like, hey, come riding with me. You like riding. It's something to do. And he do. looks all pretty and he's all dressed in black and he's got his curls, you know. And you know. so why do we think Regal tried to have her killed by the forged ones what's the end because he could what's the what's the angle in the end game on that does do we does he know that there were forged i think he was just trying to get her lost in the just trying to get her lost period i feel like he must be yeah we don't think that he's maybe privy to verity's knowledge Maybe if she gets lost, then it just looks bad, and then it reflects bad on Verity. Yeah. Right, or, like, Verity would have to leave the keep and go look for her. Right. Which would be it's... a distraction. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so he could do whatever he was gonna fucking do. Something to shrewd, perhaps? I don't know. Something. How okay. come he couldn't just know there were forged ones there? I mean, really, I guess from what Verity said is, like, Verity is the only one that knows was trying to keep a big secret. I don't feel like he would go and tell Regal. So. Yeah, he's the only one yeah, that put Regal two and two really together about the reports. That, so. yeah. Because there's the thing we we know we are we agree with Fitz, right? Because we are riding along with Fitz. Like we know that these reports of people are not forged ones. Right. Like, that's a completely separate thing. It just so happens that there are forged ones wandering around, but they are not the same as the people who are doing these like bandit attacks. Yeah. 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 Right. So it could be that maybe Regal knows about the bandit attacks, but not the forged one. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I I just want to give ten points to the fool for his amazing wordplay in this section. I really, really enjoyed reading that whole section. It was it was delightful. I'm glad I got to see him. There is. I, I'm glad I got to see that portion of him, and then I was also really glad to see how endearing he was with the king and like taking care with him or yeah. of him rather. Well, so now we know what the fool does all day. Mm-hmm. He's clearly <laughs> running interference between the king and all these other people who are trying to control the king. Because otherwise, it's like, well, where is he? Up in his like baby tower all the time. <laughs> <laughs> His baby tower. But it's like, so, He's... and the fact that, you know, Shrewd was okay with being reported to in front of the fool. It's like, the fool is clearly, like, because we, we know that the fool knows what's going on, but we don't really know why. And it's like, oh, well, he's getting, he's hearing all the reports. So he's not crawling through the walls with Shade. <laughs> Although he may know who Shade is if Shade reports to Shrewd. True. Yeah. There's lots oh, of he, things you he can definitely learn. knows who he is based on that uh, that comment before when Fitz asked him if he knew about Shade. If you know Shade, and he was like, "I don't. It's sunny out. I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so you learn a lot if you're just with the king all the time. Uh, and he just wanders the halls. I think. Yeah, just silently, <laughs> super silently, not not knocking on anyone's doors. <laughs> Uh, okay, so every episode prompts friends in high places. Uh, the only introduction that we got was Cub. 
Not really. <laughs> Wallace? A... Was Wallace there before? Wallace. I mean, Wallace. is he a friend in a high place? <laughs> well, no, but he's a, he's a character. He's in a high place. <laughs> I don't know. It's true. Technically, yeah. he's in a tower. He's affecting high places. He's affecting high places. Uh, and, you know, Molly is uh, taking care of Patience and Lacey. And Patience She's may... Lady Blue Skirts now. Right? And they, you know, Patience may not be as highly ranked as she used to be, but she's still a member of the court. Uh, skills acquired. Uh, I don't know. More advice, more assassinations stealthier uh washing your shirt I yeah i was gonna say he he again learned what bathing was <laughs> hygiene? so hygiene the hygiene. air of authority general upkeep. seizures <laughs> <laughs> he learned how to exercise to get rid of his seizures gloom levels higher probably level seven by now i feel like he just you know he was very on this wellness trend <laughs> <laughs> really taking care of himself he's doing a lot of self-care yeah, yeah. Uh, animal assists, obviously, that goes to Cub. Yay! Cub, and shout out to, um, Ketty's horse handling those forged ones. Oh, yeah. Soft step? Yeah. Or, no, is that what her name I think that's, yeah, is? I think that's his name. Or... But then immediately punished by being like, you can't ride that horse anymore. I know! It's, uh, it's too much horse yeah. for you. <laughs> I thought it was interesting hearing, uh, he... He was sort of witting with Sooty as he went in to save Ketrican, and it was yeah. it was describing Sooty as being uh, the battle trained and excited for the for the confrontation or whatever. It was I just thought that was interesting. I did I don't think it's mentioned anywhere before that Sooty is like a a war horse or anything. Well, it's like we've all been worrying about Sooty for like a book and four chapters now, and it's like. Robin was like, oh, let's remind the reader that Sooty is not scared. Sooty's okay. <laughs> Sooty can handle it. Go, Sooty. Uh, was the fool there, and how creepy was he being? The fool was there. While the fool had some redeeming moments later in this section, the fool came straight out the gates at a strong nine. <laughs> Between the frog stance and the lick lipping, <laughs> no, the lip licking, there we go, and lick him lips. Ratsy Remains to be undetermined, but the rat head initially, I don't know. And the way that he made the rat talk with a little high-pitched voice was also a little strange. <laughs> I love when he just converses with Ratsy. It's um, Ratsy. Ratsy. So, yeah. But, like I said, I thought it was nice to see him caring for the king and that whole shit. So, yeah. Uh, Fitzmisery the Bastard has a moment. Uh, heroics, tantrums, extremely bad decisions. I mean, every chapter was, this is it now. This is all of these things. Yeah. He, <laughs> in fact, it's mostly that. And then like, sometimes we get hit where he's not that way. But at this point, <laughs> you should change it to Fitz has a, has a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> Fitz, Fitz misery is in residence. He's here. Uh, and, and then sometimes our... wolves make him angrier. <laughs> I feel like cub Cub can only be a good influence in, on him at this point. Well, how do we feel about, I, you know, last book we ended with saying Fitz should never bond with an animal again because they'll all be in big trouble. So how do our new readers feel about him bonding with a new animal? I mean, I at least feel like the wolf stands a better chance <laughs> but, <laughs> than like a domesticated dog. I don't know. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, fuck dogs. I do think it's interesting, though, when he first when he first got the wolf, he said, I'm going to keep this wolf for a month. 
and get him back to where he needs to be and then let him go. But now we're seeing that that timeline is getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and like, you know. And we are pack. Yeah. We are pack. We'll see how that goes. Because, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of obstacles around butt keep when you're trying to hide an animal. So, uh, and the last section that we always do is, but did you die? Uh, not yet. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, no. Uh, Keddy almost died. Keddy almost died. He did kill that lady. (laughs) Oh, no, she didn't. Well, no, he didn't kill her. He didn't kill her. He He gave her horrible, awful mouth sores. Like, nobody's getting near that girl. (laughs) Which resembled some, like, disease, and so everyone was freaked out by her. Yeah. Right. Gross. So she didn't die, so she should (laughs) stop complaining. Uh, oh, sorry. And then we all, we added a section. I forget. Uh, what made you cry? No crying. None no at crying. All. Cryless. All right. I cried happy tears when I saw Cub. Cub. <laughs> all right. I felt I felt heat behind my eyeballs when um when Cub was in a cage. That's shitty. Yeah. I do like that it. he also helped the birds. He's like, just yes. I just love that. Out. I'm like, get out, get out, run, fly away. <laughs> Get the bird. <laughs> it's like Elliot. It's like Elliot and the frogs. Where he's like, run! I have to. Uh, Ashley. Ashley's uh, uh, crow voice is uh, giving me Moira imagery. No, well, oh, see, I was thinking. The crows have eyes. I hear you, and I appreciate that. But I was thinking Willow when yeah. the sorceress ah. turns into the bird, and she's like, Willow, the wand, get the wand. Yeah. <laughs> If you're wondering, yes, I did the voiceover for that. Dear Lily, it's Dear Lily. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just gonna, it's going to become a Willow podcast. Sorry. Uh, Rachel made me suffer through legend. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, I haven't watched that movie in a long ass time, but I watched it a whole a good... bunch when I was little. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't revisit it. I've just always. Your memories live. I've always thought a cosplay of the devil would be like so fucking cool, but I, can't, I don't have the skill set to do that. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yes. I wa- there. So there was a pair at DragonCon this year uh, that did Darkness, and I don't know what the girl's name is at all, Lily, um, but with like the black dress, like the good dress, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the, the best they, dress, and they looked amazing. So, yeah, it's the possible. Proper dress. I didn't the see, only dress. Do you have photos the of dress. that? I can send them to you. Yes. Yeah. Send those to me. I want to see uh, that because it was a girl. It was a girl Darkness too. Oh, cool. Uh, I just hate Tom Cruise so much. Oh, yeah. He's barely in it. He's, He's a... barely in it. It's yeah. mostly his crotch. <laughs> yeah, and that Not... dick shot. Yeah. <laughs> and we are lowering the tone. Anyway, do my new readers have anything else to say before they sign out? Nope. That's all for me. I'm Ashley, and you can find me at Ladybird Parker on Instagram. Joey. Yes. Um, I don't like Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> and when I imagine Fitz, he is definitely not Tom Cruise. And Good. Is that your sign Solid. Out? Yes. <laughs> okay. I have an Instagram. <laughs> great. Find it. That's great. Find it. Find it. Good luck. I'm not reading that. All right, you guys. <laughs> Uh, so, reminder, our next reading section will be Royal Assassin, chapters 8 through 13. 
And if you like what we're doing, check out Fire and Lunch Podcast for all things A Song of Ice and Fire, RTFB Podcast for more sci-fi fantasy reading discussions. This has been Buckkeep Radio. Find us at Buckkeep Radio at Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. We're also on Instagram. <laughs> Bye, new readers. Bye. Bye. We're going to spoilers now. Why did you, why did you end it? But then it's going on still. Because we do that every Joey, time. We do it this. every time. Alright. <laughs> 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 Bye. Spoiler section. <laughs> Yay. Oh. Um, I don't have a lot to say in the spoiler section. I, uh, I'm just, <laughs> I'm still very concerned about Ashley's level of creeped out by the fool factor. I'm sure that will change. Uh, Cub is She seems to be coming around to him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, that, that's the first, uh, interaction with him that I feel like was the, like, that's the, that's the character he becomes. That's like, that's, yeah. that's the fool. Right. Yeah. Um, remembering forward, I think is a really cool way to explain what he does i don't think she was able to get at it in that chapter because of the whole weird dream thing but i think you know she was getting it by by the last chapter mm-hmm. yeah yeah and night eyes here, play. guys night eyes night eyes I, so I can't wait for I, more more night eyes i just need I can't someone... wait till i can call him night eyes instead yes. of cub. And, so cub. <laughs> and also we just i just it's so nice to have a character that will potentially be like Shut the fuck up when Fitz... Like, Fitz, you're a moron. Please stop. <laughs> it's like, I love you, Fitz, but be better. He's he's the perfect counterpoint to him. Because Fitz is so in his head about everything, and Night Eyes is just in the moment. The here and yeah. now. The yeah. here and now. Like, just go forward. And also just sassy as fuck. I love it. So sass. Yes. Female. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What are you doing here? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so do I, not interrupt my thoughts again. I no, also I like... um, am identifying the very origins of the whole Ketrickin Fitz shipper. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which you know, is a good those ship. Of us who are on that ship. Yeah, that's a good ship. Um, just because, I mean, I know it's born out of loneliness and he's like, he's there. But I, I think it's more <laughs> than that, too, because he he talks to her without... I mean, he does want things from her. He wants her to be a better queen. Mm-hmm. But he wants her to be a better queen however she's going to do it, right? Like, he's not trying to control what kind of queen she is. And he thinks that she's pretty fabulous as she is on her own. Like, yeah. he, he admires how she handles herself during the, you know, during the Forged One thing. It's a great foundation for relationships. Yeah. Although, I can't wait till the next section... Just when they have that whole, like, let's have quiet time. And Fitz is like, I don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) This is weird. (laughs) Um, I did want to say about Night Eyes, just I love that he thought that he could avoid bonding with him. Yeah, whatever. This (laughs) is like the strongest wit, like, experience he's ever had. And he's like trying to be like, it's fine. This is fine. Oh, this is casual. We're not in a relationship. I can control this. We're not soulmates. (sighs) Night Eyes. But also, call the ASPCA, because 
<laughs> he doesn't deserve Night Eyes, and Night Eyes I, is gonna fucking die for him. <laughs> like, ugh. <sighs> he does live longer than the rest, though. I guess so. I guess so. Against all odds. He gets odds. to live on in spirit. Yes, but continually taking care of Fitz's shit for him. That's what he true. does. It's true. Called it. Even keeping him alive. Keeping him alive, raising his daughter. <laughs> Fine. He's not even alive when he's raising. His I know he's raising. <laughs> he's like, I am so awesome. I don't even need to have a physical presence in this world to take care of your daughter better than you are. That's real sad. He's not even a ghost. He's like <laughs> the memory of a memory of an idea. <laughs> of a... I can't. I... But he's. I'm having trouble remembering, but he couldn't be in both of them at the same time, right? Like, he was just no, in... No, he was in B. No, He was no. just in her at that point. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't really go back to Fitz until Fitz was dying, and then he's like, dying. Yeah, there's, like, that whole thing where he was like, oh, I gotta go back, because he's gonna die, and then I'll be stuck, and I need to die with him, because we're supposed right. to... He made me that deal, we're gonna get in that dragon. That was the whole... <laughs> that was the whole deal. So... Uh, which made it, it which was interesting because it's like oh then it is an entity of some kind like it's not just memory i wish like i knew the rules because i definitely yeah, thought it was memories for a while what are the rules what well i mean there is that whole thing where and it it happened didn't it happen with that like some animal or whatever where the human died first and so they like put their consciousness yeah the into, deer yeah the deer the and, deer lady right so i guess there could be some of that like you know night eyes dies but his consciousness sort of bleeds over into but i thought fitz. i mean i, I thought he made the exactly decision not happened. to do that though but i think fitz i think fitz like held on to him in a weird way like yeah yeah, know, there's an, there's enough of him that it can somehow go to his daughter. Yeah, because it's like weird. remember because like Fitz was always Fitz and Night Eyes were always told like what you do is a perversion. Like even other witted people were like, you know, calm down, you shouldn't. Do <laughs> and then they were always kind of like, eh, we're gonna do it anyway. Like they were not bothered by it. So I feel like they what they are doing is slightly a perversion, but it worked out. I mean, if you think about it, you know, Fitz was all like, I'm not going to bond with you, and then totally bond with him anyway, so I guess... I mean, they're like, bonded already. We're not going like, to... Well, I know, but, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not going to... It's it's similar, like, we're not going to, you know, leave each other's consciousness in the other one when one of us dies, but then they, like, do it anyway, just, like, because that's what they do. Right, I mean, like, I think it... And maybe it's, it's not like necessarily the, intentional. It's like the ghost of, like, when Fitz was in Night Eyes when he died, and then... Well, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Fitz and the Fool, like, they shared bodies, and so now they're just, you know, forever bonded and can apparently make a baby, but, you know. Hey. So it's kind of like, you know, Fitz and Night Eyes have shared bodies yeah, you know, in Fitz a similar does, way. Fitz so is like, always going into people's bodies and taking their essence. That's what he does. Yeah, he like, goes in their he bodies. He just has, like, that echo of him inside of him already. He takes so. them. So I think even even if they decided not to do that, like, it had already happened. Without them really realizing it. Which is good for us. Uh, and good for B as well. Yeah. <laughs> Wolf Father really helped her out. This It's just so funny because like the these first three books especially are like pretty standard fantasy fare. Like, <laughs> it's just going to get so much weirder. 
I don't know how to. There's no preparing. You just have to let no. it happen. Like, and we and we are gonna read it with the order. It's like after this, we're going to the ship books. So it's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I want to read those because I wasn't going to, and I'm like, no, I'm into this world. Now. It's gonna be really weird when most of us don't know what's going on. Yeah, when I read them, Eli, I read you them haven't read order. the ship books. Like, I went either, from here to to the Tawny Man trilogy, and then I went to the ship books because I was like, oh, I'm done because uh, I had skipped them. So I feel like if maybe if I had read the ship books first, then all the things that came after wouldn't be so weird because the ship books are weird as hell. Eli, you haven't read the live nope. ship books, right? Okay, so you'll be experiencing. We'll all be just the ones with Fitz. I've read all the books with Fitz. I mean, he's sorta in it. His face is in him. <laughs> Paragon doesn't count as Fitz. Yeah, are you sure? It doesn't count as sure? Fitz. I still, you don't understand when when Fitz comes face to face with Paragon. I like got up. I was like, I have to be standing when I read this. I have to. I was like just anticipating that because I know, like, I talked to you about like you know, the ship book so many times, like, just for that part of it. And so when it was happening, I was like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. It's happening. See it. It's happening. It's the so gift. even though I hadn't read I them, I was the still, gift, like, that office gift. It's happening. It's happening. Everyone's <laughs> running. Only it's just me in my apartment. I'm like, oh, is this going to be bad? <laughs> anyway, uh, I have nothing else to say. Anything from you guys? No, that's, that's all good. I've got. Cool. Well, I will speak to you in a few days while we read these next few chapters. Yeah, I gotta finish them. Uh, Reminder to anyone listening, uh, email us at buttkeepradio at gmail.com and we will include you if you're not Tell mean. us how we're wrong about things. Yeah, just don't be mean. That'd be... Yeah. We've had very nice emails, which is very, which is good. Some of them are real, like, super off cycle. Like, they emailed us, but we had already, like, recorded. So there was really nothing we could do about it. But I try. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, uh, bye then. Uh, I'm Rachel, and you can find me at Darth Rachel on Twitter and Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram. I'm Eli, and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay on Instagram. Uh, I'm Jenny, and you can find me at JennySlife87 on Twitter and Faceless Frey on Instagram. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.